Chapter Two of the Death Disc by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by John Greenman. Chapter Two. The next morning, the stricken mother was not able to leave her bed. Doctors and nurses were watching by her and whispering together now and then. Abby could not be allowed in the room. She was told to run and play. Mama was very ill. The child, muffled in winter wraps, went out and played in the street a while. Then it struck her as strange, and also wrong, that her papa should be allowed to stay at the tower in ignorance at such a time as this. This must be remedied. She would attend to it in person. An hour later the military court were ushered into the presence of the Lord General. He stood, grim and erect, with his knuckles resting upon the table, and indicated that he was ready to listen. The spokesman said, "'We have urged them to reconsider. We have implored them, but they persist. They will not cast lots. They are willing to die, but not to defile their religion.' The protector's face darkened, but he said nothing. He remained a time in thought. Then he said, "'They shall not all die. The lots shall be cast for them.' Gratitude shone in the faces of the court. "'Send for them. Place them in that room there. Stand them side by side with their faces to the wall and their wrists crossed behind them. Let me have notice when they are there.' When he was alone he sat down and presently gave this order to an attendant. "'Go, bring me the first little child that passes by.' The man was hardly out at the door before he was back again, leading Abby by the hand, her garments lightly powdered with snow. She went straight to the head of the state, that formidable personage, at the mention of whose name the principalities and powers of the earth trembled, and climbed up in his lap and said, I know you, sir. You are the Lord General. I have seen you. I have seen you when you went by my house. Everybody was afraid, but I wasn't afraid, because you didn't look cross at me. You remember, don't you? I had on my red frock, the one with the blue things on it down the front. Don't you remember that? A smile softened the austere lines of the protector's face and he began to struggle diplomatically with his answer. "'Why, uh, let me see. I—I I was standing right by the house, my house, you know. Well, you dear little thing, I ought to be ashamed, but you know—' The child interrupted, reproachfully. "'Now you don't remember it. Why, I didn't forget you. Now I am ashamed, but I will never forget you again, dear. You have my word for it. You will forgive me now, won't you, and be good friends with me always and forever? Yes, indeed I will, though I don't know how you came to forget it. You must be very forgetful, but I am, too, sometimes. I can forgive you without any trouble, for I think you mean to be good and do right, and I think you are just as kind, but you must snuggle me better the way papa does it's cold you shall be snuggled to your heart's content little new friend of mine always to be old friend of mine hereafter isn't it you mind me of my little girl not 
little any more now, but she was dear and sweet and daintily made like you. And she had your charm, little witch, your all-conquering sweet confidence in friend and stranger alike that wins to willing slavery any upon whom its precious compliment falls. She used to lie in my arms just as you are doing now, and charm the weariness and care out of my heart and give it peace, just as you are doing now. And we were comrades and equals and playfellows together. Ages ago it was, since that pleasant heaven faded away and vanished, and you have brought it back again. Take a burdened man's blessing for it, you tiny creature who are carrying the weight of England while I rest. Did you love her very, very, very much? Ah, you shall judge by this. She commanded and I obeyed. I think you are lovely. Will you kiss me? Thankfully, and hold it a privilege, too. There, this one is for you, and there, this one is for her. You made it a request, and you could have made it a command, for you are representing her, and what you command I must obey. The child clapped her hands with delight at the idea of this grand promotion. Then her ear caught an approaching sound, the measured tramp of marching men. Soldiers! Soldiers, Lord General! Abby wants to see them. You shall, dear. But wait a moment, I have a commission for you. An officer entered and bowed low, saying, They are come, Your Highness, bowed again, and retired. The head of the nation gave Abby three little disks of sealing-wax, two white and one a ruddy red, for this one's mission was to deliver death to the colonel who should get it. Oh, what a lovely red one! Are they for me? No, dear, they are for others. Lift the corner of that curtain there, which hides an open door, pass through, and you will see three men standing in a row, with their backs towards you, and their hands behind their backs, so, each with one hand open like a cup. Into each of the open hands drop one of those things, then come back to me. Abby disappeared behind the curtain, and the protector was alone. He said reverently, Of a surety that good thought came to me in my perplexity from him, who is an ever-present help to them that are in doubt and seek his aid. He knoweth where the choice should fall, and hath sent his sinless messenger to do his will. Another would err, but he cannot err. Wonderful are his ways, and wise. Blessed be his holy name. The small fairy dropped the curtain behind her and stood for a moment, conning with alert curiosity the appointments of the chamber of doom, and the rigid figures of the soldiery and the prisoners. Then her face lighted merrily, and she said to herself, Why, one of them is Papa. I know his back. He shall have the prettiest one. She tripped gaily forward and dropped the disks into the open hands, then peeped around under her father's arm and lifted her laughing face and cried out, Papa, Papa, look what you've got. I gave it you. 
he glanced at the fatal gift then sunk to his knees and gathered his innocent little executioner to his breast in an agony of love and pity soldiers officers released prisoners all stood paralyzed for a moment at the vastness of this tragedy then the pitiful scene smote their hearts their eyes filled and they wept unashamed there was deep and reverent silence during some minutes then the officer of the guard moved reluctantly forward and touched his prisoner on the shoulder saying gently it grieves me sir but my duty commands commands what said the child i must take him away i am so sorry take him away where to to uh, god help me to another part of the fortress indeed you can't my mamma is sick and i am going to take him home she released herself and climbed upon her father's back and put her arms around his neck now abby's ready papa come along my poor child i can't i must go with them the child jumped to the ground and looked about her wondering then she ran and stood before the officer and stamped her small foot indignantly and cried out i told you my mamma is sick and you might have listened let him go you must oh poor child would god i could but i indeed i must take him away attention guard fall in shoulder arms abby was gone like a flash of light in a moment she was back dragging the lord protector by the hand at this formidable apparition all present straightened up the officers saluting and the soldiers presenting arms stop them sir my mamma is sick and wants my papa and i told them so but they never even listened to me and are taking him away the lord general stood as one dazed your papa child is he your papa why of course he was always it would i give the pretty red one to any other when i love him so no a shocked expression rose in the protector's face and he said ah god help me through satan's wiles i have done the cruelest thing that ever man did and there is no help no help what can i do abby cried out distressed and impatient why you can make them let him go and she began to sob tell them to do it you told me to command and now the very first time i tell you to do a thing you don't do it a tender light dawned in the rugged old face and the lord general laid his hand upon the small tyrant's head and said god be thanked for the saving accident of that unthinking promise and you inspired by him for reminding me of my forgotten pledge oh incomparable child officer obey her command she speaks by my mouth the prisoner is pardoned set him free end of chapter two and end of the death disc by mark twain